I actually think confidence is simply trust. Yeah. I can trust myself yeah. to have money. I can trust myself to spend money. Yeah. I can trust myself to invest money. Mm-hmm. I can trust myself to lose money. Yeah, and I can trust myself to do it differently. The amount of people mm. opting out of money making because they see what people do and they don't want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so they just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, well, I'm not going to charge that amount. I'm not going to market myself in a way that really, you know, where I'm really owning mm-hmm. my brilliance and all of that stuff because they don't want to become what they've been harmed by and what they've seen others being harmed yes. by. And that makes sense on paper, except no one then recreates the thing exactly like it just keeps going and going and going right one of the reasons that I like I really encourage my clients to get really clear on things you know when someone says like I just want to feel successful I'm like well what is success then right like let's not just say like success like I want to be wealthy well what is that Mm -hmm. because otherwise you'll never reach it Mm -hmm. and similarly I think that we need to when we look at making more money and we start to be worried about the power that would be available to us or the way that we've seen other people do things, Mm -hmm. we need to be very clear about, well, what will you do? What can you trust yourself to do with that power? And how will you relate to it differently? Welcome to Mind Witchery. I'm your host, Natalie Miller, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello, my friend. I'm going to tell you right now, you probably want to save this episode for your favorites. I mean, we haven't even started recording it yet, (laughs) but just go ahead and know you're going to want a heart to buy it or you want to file it away um, because I already know it's going to be complete magic. So... Today is a conjuring episode, and I am going to talk about conjuring money confidence with money and business coach, Ray Dodd. Hi, Ray. Hello. No pressure in that intro. (laughs) It'll be fine. So Ray and I know one another in many capacities, and of course, we're both in this coaching place where Mm -hmm. um, we are helping um, especially women to do what they want. Mm -hmm. And in Ray's case, to make money and to feel comfortable making good money. So Ray, when I was thinking about how I wanted to talk about the big topic of money, of course, you came immediately to mind for me. And we get to enjoy Ray's delightful accent today as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, I'm enjoying yours because yours is as novel to me. It's to you. But does it feel posh and fancy? No. What? Does mine feel posh and fancy? Very much so. That's nice because in in my country it does not. (laughs) Well, and of course I I associate you just with like sophistication. But I think it's also that, right, I just, you are such a sophisticated thinker. And so maybe maybe that's coloring my whole experience because I I find that when when we talk about things like the conversation we're about Mm. to begin um it goes deep and it's very nuanced and it's very smart so yeah i'm super excited okay so i'm going to start with like the easiest question ever you ready for this yes (laughs) this this might actually i don't even know how this is gonna go what even is money oh man what is money 
I often say it's a money is a tangible thing, although increasingly not. Mm. I'm on TikTok now because, you know, I'm trying to cling on to my youth. And I'm on a part of TikTok that shows me a lot of what Americans are confused about living in the UK. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I get I don't know in in the States if you're quite as um, anti-cash as we are increasingly in the UK. Mm -hmm. Like we use cards for everything now. In fact, you struggle to spend actual money. So like for a long time, cash was an object, right? Mm -hmm. Like money was an object, Mm -hmm. except it's not. Mm -hmm. Because if you and I somehow successfully spread a rumor that the economy in a certain country is tanking, the value of that, the money in that country goes down because of how everyone fit their confidence everyone has in that currency. So I often describe money as like, it is an object. Mm -hmm. It's also a form of power. Mm -hmm. It's also a lot of feelings. Mm. Like, and it's, I think you can't really separate those things out really, but to just say it's an object does a disservice to the reality of money. Hmm. Well, to to say any of those one things, right? Yeah. To just say it's power. Well, yeah. no, it's, it's not just power. Yeah. No. Um. I love this idea of money is a lot of feelings. Mm. Say more about that. Well, one of the things that I can't even remember when this first occurred to me, but I just remember being really struck by the fact that if it, it let's say in its purest thing, money is an object, then how can money be so exciting? so mm-hmm. terrifying, mm-hmm. so full of grief, mm-hmm. so full of positivity mm-hmm. and potential mm-hmm. and also so desperate mm-hmm. and sad and lost. And all like you can attach so many different feelings mm-hmm. to so full of hope. Like it, there's so many feelings that come alongside money. So mm-hmm. a lot of it is less about money itself and more about the meaning we attach to it. Mm-hmm. in any given moment. And very importantly, because you'll hear lots of coaches say, and I do agree with this, that money is energy. And there is a lot of truth in that. Mm-hmm. And power is an element of that. But we have to remember that it's also something that's used in a very powerful way to keep people in, like oppressed, essentially, not yeah. even essentially, just oppressed and in certain situations. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a it's a complex beast. But the feelings we bring to it are a lot of, not completely, but a lot of where that power comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, in the end, what I'm hearing also is that money is symbolic. Mm. It's representative. It Mm. represents things, right? And so... And it, it occurs to me also that the the feelings we have about money don't even necessarily correlate to the amount of money. Nope. (laughs) No. No. And they don't, they're not logical. Mm-hmm. Like you would think, for example, like let's use inheritance. Inheritance is a very loaded way to receive money. Yeah. And I was, I had a, a lump sum of inheritance when I was 20. And you would think like, like that shows you how complicated money can be mm-hmm. because amazing. I've got like a lump of money. Mine was 10 grand. I've got 10 grand. I wouldn't have that money if someone hadn't died. I wouldn't like, what do I do? I want that money because of everything it represents. Mm -hmm. I'm also very sad. So I'm going to start spending that money. But then I feel bad about myself that I did all of that because I shouldn't spend money. I should be sensible with it. Mm -hmm. But equally, I'm grieving. Of course, I'm spending that money. And I don't really want that money around me anyway, because, you know, like there's so much in it. And like, if you look on, on paper, 
it's ten thousand pounds as mine was. Yeah. That's all it is, but it's not. But it's not. It's absolutely not. Yeah. And it occurs to me also, you know, I talk a lot on Mind Witchery about um how everything is co-created. Mm. And what we make money mean. There are a lot of voices <laughs> that want to contribute to that conversation, right? Yeah. Money is the best. It's desirable. It's it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, money is sin. Money mm-hmm. is evidence of greed and yeah. and moral like mm-hmm. badness, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, money should be. We could finish that statement so many ways. Yeah. Money should be invested. Money yeah. should be saved. given away. Yeah. Money yeah. should be saved. Money yeah. should be right. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's such a tricky thing as well because it doesn't exist outside of all of the... So we've got all this money conditioning, mm-hmm. but it also doesn't exist outside of all of the other conditioning. Yes. A lot of what I talk about in my work is how women particularly are conditioned to be carers and be kind to other people. Mm-hmm. And we see money as evil. And like, the, you know, there's like literally that phrase, money is the root of all evil. And it's about greed and it's the opposite of kindness. And so we start to get ourselves into these things of like, oh... Like to make money, to charge money is the opposite of kindness. And I have been unknowingly, we've all been conditioned to be kind. And I call it kindness at all costs because it Mm -hmm. is that kind of like, no matter what, I have to prove my worth by always being kind. And we don't see a world in which we make money and are kind. Mm -hmm. Give money, yes, but not make money. Mm-hmm. I can't think of an example, particularly where on mass we see that as an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you and I talk a lot about, we're both white, by the way, mm-hmm. Ray and I are both white women, but we do talk about how the conditioning, of course, is different depending on the culture that you're from. Yeah. So, so if you, for example, are a Central American immigrant in the mm-hmm. United States, then your responsibility is to make as much yeah. money as possible because you need to be supporting your family mm. here, your family back home. Like everyone's future is actually depending on you yeah. making and giving that money. So it's still mm-hmm. the idea that the women are here to care, but it's kind of twisted around into, and so therefore you have to, you know, mm. you can never have a break. You can, you must make more and more and more in yeah. order to be a carer, right? Yeah. So, yeah, the pressures around money change and proliferate depending on mm-hmm. what your identity is and yeah. the the cultural pressures that you face. Yeah, there's family stuff, cultural stuff, societal mm-hmm. stuff, and all of that. I mean, the UK is obviously so much smaller than the states, but we mm-hmm. have. I notice it like somebody from the north of England is going to have a different experience. Somebody in in Northern Ireland or uh, like will have different experiences Mm -hmm. within the UK. Like it's really interesting to talk to people and ask them because like you said, I mean, A, I'm a white woman. Also, I can't know. There's so many different ways that this cultural stuff and our own, just our own family cultures, let alone those wider cultures show up in this stuff. And so I always ask people, like, bring that in when we're talking about this, like, how did this show up in your family? And it's fascinating, the differences. Yeah. Um, There's a whole thing, really. I think it's in the whole of Ireland, um, but I hear a lot from my Northern Irish clients about um, having notions. So to have notions Mm -hmm. in Ireland is like, 
it's getting big headed basically it's showing off it's mm. like we would say i don't know if you mm-hmm. said getting too big for your boots in the states that's something that yeah. comes up a lot and i think in australia they call it tall poppy syndrome but it's all a similar like mm-hmm. vibe that comes out and it's even stuff like that yep. like oh well what if i'm to say and this definitely shows up for my friends who are second generation black women in the uk for example whose parents came often came from um africa mm-hmm. and south asia as well particularly here like there is a feeling of like, what if I out earn my parents? They made all these sacrifices to get me here. Mm. What if I out earn them? And in a way, that's what their par- like parents really want. Mm-hmm. But they have to do it in. They often have to do it in a certain way, and it brings up all of these things for people. And there's different versions of that for mm-hmm. all sorts of people. Like for working class people, I know class. I don't know if class isn't quite the same in the states. I don't think as it is here, but. It's certainly for working class people, you've often got parents, like boomer parents, who worked their asses off in jobs they didn't like. Yeah. Because they were trying to provide, they were trying to get their families out of certain situations. And then they've got these like millennial, <laughs> millennial kids or like Gen Z kids or even generation, generation X kids going, I don't want to do it that way, actually. And I might make more money than you. How does that feel? <laughs> <laughs> I love your kid voice, by the way. Uh, yeah. How are you doing with that? Yeah. <laughs> but it, I it, love like, that. I think it causes for the person, for the kid, that, and I just mm-hmm. mean the like child of that person, the son or daughter or however you identify yourself, it causes that, that fear of, of disconnection mm-hmm. with that culture you come from, like to do it a different way because there's so many layers of this stuff in all different mm. areas of society that we're all unmuddling this really big mess. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's a lot. It's a lot. Okay. Yeah. So I think what we're saying is money is power. Mm-hmm. Money is energy. Money yeah. is laden with feelings and symbolism yeah. and cultural like conditioning and baggage, yeah. right? Yeah. And money is a real thing. Yeah. Right? And that part's important to me, I think, because sometimes I think we can be so idealistic about money. Like it says, if I could say, I need eggs. So I'm going to go to the person who has chickens and I'm going to ask them a question that helps them figure out their life. And in exchange, they will give me a basket of eggs and I'll take, it's like, that's not how the world works. Actually, I need to get money for Mm -hmm. my questions that I ask. And then I take that money and I go and I buy the eggs. Money is an, it's an, it's a means of exchange also. Right. Um, So that feels important. But all of this makes me think really maybe number one, when we are trying to cultivate money confidence is to spend some time unpacking what do we believe about money? Yeah. Like, what have we learned? What have we been told? What are some of the mixed messages yeah. that are really strong for us? What do you think of that? And what would you add? The mixed messages are my favorites in a way. Like, they're the most mm. annoying in some ways. But when you mm-hmm. realize how much you've internalized misogyny, like, for example. And, like, Mm -hmm. one of the questions I often ask people is, like, what does a wealthy person look like, like a wealthy woman look like? Or what does a wealthy non-binary or queer person look like? Mm -hmm. What does a wealthy fat woman look like? Mm -hmm. Like, take something from your identity that maybe you tell yourself means you're disqualified and then just be like, can you see those people? And and when it comes to, like, 
the intersections of being a woman often there's just no they can't find any examples Mm. or like very few Mm -hmm. when it comes to a more general thing like a woman Mm -hmm. um, a wider something then they are their dynasty everyone's answer is dynasty Mm. it's Joan Collins Mm -hmm. and it's that kind of like 80s divorcee um, real housewives I guess would be the more up-to-date version of that yeah but that's what people see as what a rich woman's like. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know about you. I don't massively identify with many of the Real Housewives. No. They, I'm not judging them. Necess- I might be judging some of them, but I'm not <laughs> judging them necessarily. Right. <laughs> but like our aesthetics, our general way of being uh-huh. is never going to be the same. Uh-huh. So I think I, it's that feeling. And, and often I say that to a client or I say it in my courses and people are like, oh shit, that's horrible. Yeah. That's horrible that I think I don't go. A wealthy woman is whoever she wants to be. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter that instead they do have this really internalized stereotypical view. Mm-hmm. Often they, they're mean, greedy, all of those things that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I find that just mm-hmm. so interesting that we have that tape running. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I mean, what I think is that if I think of that kind of idea, the the knee-jerk idea of a wealthy woman is mm. indulgent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I obviously we've been conditioned because if money is power and we don't want women to have power or money, then let's say here's what happens when a woman has money. She's mm. indulgent. Yeah. Right? And the reality is, of course, she's powerful. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, listen, when you look at the richest women in the world and you realize that for the most part, they've either inherited or married into their money, right? No shade because that is the only way it's been possible (laughs) for a long, long time. Yeah. But we don't we don't correlate wealth in a woman with power. And I've never I don't usually ask this question, Ray. Maybe you do. What about a wealthy man? I do not associate indulgence with wealth in a man. No. No. Not at all. No. Because it even comes down to, you look at the different ways that men and women invest. Like if a man buys flashy cars, Mm -hmm. which lose their value as soon as he gets in the car on Mm -hmm. the main, Mm -hmm. that's not particularly judged because Mm -hmm. he's got like Seinfeld, I think. Jerry Seinfeld has got a um, multi-story car park Mm -hmm. of cars. Yeah. Like, and that's just seen as, oh, that's what a rich man does with his money. Mm -hmm. But often if women have lots of handbags, which hold their retail well and do, like you can often sell them on. Mm -hmm. Like that's like so frivolous and look at her flighty shopping habits. Right, yeah. And they've done studies on that, that the way that women are talked to about this stuff is completely different. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I absolutely, I don't think we investigate it. And I think that's a problem for two reasons. I think it's a problem because we should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should be being more critical and, and looking, um, not in a judgy way, just in a like, just thinking it through. Like, what about, well, how is that person doing it? But also because what is a real clear danger, I think, when it comes to, like I am, like you said, I'm all for women making as much money as feels good to them. Mm-hmm. And we have to be really careful not to recreate problematic systems of power with that money we make. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not looking at how this stuff shows up in men and the women that make it too, and not being like bringing that critical eye to it and being like, what could I do differently? What are they Mm. not doing there? 
Mm -hmm. Like, and looking at how we use that power Mm -hmm. and how we, I would say, share that power Mm. in ways that it's not being, then Mm -hmm. I think we just recreate the same system. So we don't judge the men the same. Mm -hmm. They do behave often exactly the same way, but maybe slightly with slightly, like I said, like they're spending on watches and cars versus something else. Mm -hmm. But we have to be asking ourselves like, let me look at this. Is this mm-hmm. what I want? Well, I love that that's where you went because the next place I was interested in in talking is about confidence. Like, mm. like if we're talking about money confidence, I actually think confidence is simply trust. Yeah. I can trust myself yeah. to have money. I can trust myself to spend money. Yeah. I can trust myself to invest money. Mm-hmm. I can trust myself to lose money. Yeah. And I can trust myself to do it differently. The amount of people mm. opting out of money making because they see what people do and they don't want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so they just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, well, I'm not going to charge that amount. I'm not going to market myself in a way that really, you know, where I'm really owning Mm -hmm. my brilliance and all of that stuff because they don't want to become what they've been harmed by and what they've seen others being harmed by. And that makes sense on paper, except no one then recreates the thing. Exactly. Like it just keeps going and going and going. Right. One of the reasons that I, like I really encourage my clients to get really clear on things. You know, when someone says like, I just want to feel successful. I'm like, well, what is success then? Right. Like, let's not just say like success. Like I want to be wealthy. Well, what is that? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise you'll never reach it. Mm -hmm. And similarly, I think that we need to, when we look at making more money and we start to be worried about the power that would be available to us or the way that we've seen other people do things, Mm -hmm. we need to be very clear about, well, what will you do? What can you trust yourself to do with that power? And how will you relate to it differently? Right, right. And I think that has its own level of, layers of confidence with it. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. And I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, when we, when we limit ourselves Mm. because money is systemic, right? We're all in a big system together. So if I say, oh, I'm doing all right. Yeah. I don't need a housekeeper and I don't need nice clothes and I don't need a, a handbag. And, you know, I don't, I don't need all of those things. I'll just keep my prices low, for example, mm. or I won't ask for that raise. I don't need it. Okay. But you not claiming it doesn't mean it falls into the hands of the people who do need it. <laughs> it does not. Yeah. For it to come into the hands of the people who do need it, you have to give it to them. And you make it harder for other people who maybe don't have access. I call it emotional privilege. That thing of where Mm -hmm. some of us have access to confidence that others of us don't just because of our upbringing. And that is, um, you know, everyone's privileged. Everyone's not privileged in different ways. Mm -hmm. And that is a privilege that many people have and many people won't have. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot about the fact that there's so many people who are like, well, I don't need to earn that money. And then they're contributing. Like if you look at coaching, for example, Mm -hmm. and I know that there's lots of coaches charging like high amounts, but there's lots of coaches not as well. There's lots and lots of coaches. I would say much more than charging high amounts. There's Mm -hmm. a lot more charging really low amounts. Mm -hmm. And you contribute to this market value thing. Exactly. 
And just because you don't need it, mm-hmm. like you don't need that money. Right. Well, what if someone's a, you know, a single mom or whatever, and they don't have that partner that's like able to support you and you don't need to feel shame about having that partner. That's fine. Yeah. That just is. But equally, it's not just about you. Yes. It's not just about what you need and what you don't need. Mm-hmm. It's about a real valuing of what people do. And often it's women doing things that have been seen more as kind of caring work. And equally, I work, so I don't just work with coaches at all. I work with product-based businesses, service-based businesses. Mm-hmm. And I work with quite a lot of um, artists and makers, mm-hmm. and particularly in the crafting world, which has been really not seen as valuable as, as art, like mm-hmm. paintings and stuff right. like that. So you've got all these people that make cushions, for example, and they're amazing. And they charge 20 pounds, 12 pounds, dollars. Like Mm -hmm. they, and then they're like, yeah, but that's the market value. Yes. Because everyone's undervaluing it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's why for so many people, coaching is a side hustle because Mm -hmm. they can't support themselves doing it. And part of the reason they can't support themselves doing it is that culturally, we don't value that work. Yes. Right? Yes. This is so huge. And, you know, this also makes me think about, so for example, and I will just be very upfront with you and with um, with our lovely listener. I have done so much work around this, my own mm. self, about being afraid of having money and who that might make me. Like, who, yeah. who might mm. I become if I have money? Yeah. But what I've discovered as I have been able to expand my earnings and to increase my earnings is that I'm willing to make investments in other people all the time. Yeah. And I see myself not as less connected, like, oh, if I'm if I'm wealthy, I'm just going to be living in my gated mm. house, my mansion or whatever. Mm. It's like, no, I actually become more connected because I employ more people because mm-hmm. more people. And I want to be careful here to say, like, again, you can do whatever you want with your money. That's an important feminist premise, right? If you want to have a car garage full of handbags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You can do that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yes. But if you are a person who is worried like, oh, when I have more money, I'm going to be disconnected. It's like, actually, when Natalie, when I have more money, I get to connect more deeply and more fully so that when... Mm a woman who's running for office in the United States says, I need some funds, I can send funds so that when abortion is outlawed, basically, I can send money to abortion Mm. funds. And how do I do that? It's like I take my little toehold of power and Mm. I make it bigger. Yeah. My little toehold into making money and I make it bigger. And so then like there's more room for other people to stand Mm -hmm. there too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we talked about earlier how a lot of this thing is like just not being able to see other people that do it. Yeah. Like that's such a big part of it. You just We're just not seeing people doing this stuff. And so we don't expect it. There's been a real shift. I don't know if you've noticed this as well. Certainly over here, there's been a real shift since the pandemic of people really pulling back on their money goals and saying, well, I just want a simpler life. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go for that. And I'm all for that if you're going for, if you're actually being like, you know what, I bought into someone else's version of success and I'm reassessing and I want this to look like my version. Right. My concern is that we are living in very risky times. And because of that, naturally, 
we become more risk averse because we're like, oh, everything already feels so unsafe. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to push myself too far in that. Mm-hmm. And so what we're doing is actually settling for things because they're the safety we're used to rather than that the, the, they're the safety we want. Mm-hmm. And so we're allowing ourselves to go for these smaller amounts that maybe they don't match who we are. They don't mm-hmm. allow us to do what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And my concern is that it will be all the women, <laughs> mm-hmm. once again, lowering mm-hmm what they were aiming for because you know Mm -hmm. what I've realized I can't do it after all Mm -hmm. and let's be clear it is hard right it is with like dismantling old systems it is hard making money itself doesn't have to be like the hardest thing you've ever done and I know it can often feel like that but there are there are ways to like change your feelings and your thoughts about that and obviously of course action that goes alongside that Mm -hmm. but I think the hardest part is dismantling the internalized stuff yeah about who you will and won't be, like you said, and Mm -hmm. what you can and can't do and what you have permission for and what you don't have permission for and who you're supposed to show up like the sort of person you're meant to be in order to make money. I think that is far more complicated Mm -hmm. than the actual process of making money. I so agree. Let's Can we talk about this interesting phenomenon? I wonder what your take is on it. I have noticed that Sometimes as people make more money, they feel less safe. Mm -hmm. Yes. And sometimes, or I'll say for my own self, what really got my coaching business off the ground, Ray, was leaving my husband. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, yeah. I left my husband. I had now an apartment to pay the rent for Mm -hmm. and a divorce lawyer to hire. (laughs) I did not have any money. And I was able in that moment to say, okay, I need more power. Mm -hmm. I need more resources. Mm -hmm. I'm now willing to go for it. Yeah. Almost because I had no choice, right? Yeah. So it's it's this weird thing that when you have lots of money, you think, oh, then I'm going to have lots of power and lots of choices. I find that that's the place where it gets really scary. Yeah. And when you don't have any money, it's not necessarily as scary. Now, of course, it depends on the person, but it's more yeah. like motivating. So I'm just curious how how you see that. I'm like steadying myself because I've got so much to say. Yes. So, so there's a few things. I actually saw a well-known coach the other day posting and they were kind of, they were acknowledging all the privileges they have in their business that's allowed them to grow it to a seven figure, I think multi seven figure uh, level. And one of the things they said was that they had a partner who could support them in the years that they were building it. And that can work. And I've seen the exact opposite be true, just like you're saying. When I started my business, having tried to start so many businesses in the past, I did it because we had no money. We just had, we literally, I went in to speak to my husband. He'd started a business. It wasn't making money. I thought we had savings. We didn't. He hadn't told me. Mm. And I went in and, and, and he basically, he said, Ray, um, we need to sell some stuff on eBay. And I was like, that is, I mean, that man has never suggested he was going to do something like that. I was like, what? why? And he went, I just think we need some money. I was like, why, how much money have we got? And he's like, um, we've got £7.50. I was like, we've got what now? (laughs) So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I actually just did a podcast where I sort of tell that story, but I, it made me that absolutely, I was like, right, Ray, you have to stop waiting for someone to come and take care of you. Like, this is just you. Mm. I'd always been quite ambitious for him. I was like, you know, you can do this. When you, when do you think it's going to start making money? And I was like, that's my ambition that I've been giving to him, I need to take action on it. So it made me 
jump past so much of my own nonsense yeah so much of my own like head stuff mm-hmm. um, my own mindset stuff and I leapt past it and, and I made six figures in my first year now <clears> equally if I'd had that partner who was like making the money I would have done nothing but I realized and we literally I want to be really clear like I'm not saying we were in like as bad situation as some people, but I could, we couldn't afford food. I had to call up relatives and ask them to bring food around. I had two small children. It was really not, not good. It was really panicky. It's when a coach mm-hmm. said to me, not very helpfully, you really need to like just step out of the need for money, Ray. Then it will come to you. I was like, cool. How do I get step out of the need for food? How does that happen? <laughs> oh <laughs> Maybe you have a different God. relationship with food to me, but it's not really. So, yeah. What I'm saying is I think both can be true. And actually I have seen, and I love all my clients, I think, but I think one of the things that people struggle with the most is actually when they've already got that comfort. I do see them because I think you've then got to conjure up a lot more self-worth. So what I've discovered is in my journey, I then had to move out of that emergency my fuel for making money was anxiety and fear of losing it. Right. And so I've had to, as things have got easier, I've had to readjust that and change my relationship with what my fuel is for my business. Mm. But I've learned so much in that process. Whereas if you've already got that safety net, you've got to do it because like you say, we're feminists. We can make as much money as we want because we believe that's fine. Mm -hmm. And that's a very different place to step out of all that conditioning from. Mm -hmm. It's not impossible it's totally possible, but it's just different. Yes. And in my experience, stickier for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me think of so many little sayings, little chestnuts that we have, like necessity mm-hmm. is the mother of invention, mm-hmm. right? That idea that like, mm-hmm. no, I actually, I had to do it. I got past yeah. my nonsense because I had a rent payment to make. that I didn't have previously, right? Like I needed to buy food. So it's that kind of impulse, right? Yeah. The other little chestnut is freedom is just another way of saying nothing left to lose, right? Is that Mm -hmm. if I don't have any money, I'm not afraid of losing it because I don't have it to lose. Yes. But once I've made some money, once I've made some money and I've made probably some commitments that go along with money, Mm. right? So maybe it's someone I'm employing or maybe it's a a school tuition or maybe it's a mortgage or maybe it's a car payment, right? Whatever it might be is that then I get into this place where I'm I'm afraid to lose it and I'm afraid to go for it because mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be afraid to go for it, right? The, yeah. the patriarchy wants me to be afraid to go yeah. for it. <laughs> right? yeah. And so I get into this place where I'm just paralyzed with fear, basically, yeah. around money. And I don't know about you, but I see that a lot. Like I mm-hmm. see people wanting to invest in something, maybe mm. to go back to school or mm-hmm. to invest in a coach or yeah. or or even to invest in like making a dream come true. Like mm. they want to live on a houseboat or they want to yeah. live in Portugal for a year, whatever it is. Yeah. And they're just stuck. Too scared to do it, too scared not to do it, just kind of pausing there what do you think of those moments those moments where it's like I want to make an investment in my growth and desires yeah 
but I, I just can't get myself to do it. What do you think is going on there? So just to step back a little bit from that bit, and I'll get to that bit in a sec, but I also think what goes on there is like, sometimes our earnings outstrip our self-concept. Ooh. So like our idea of who we are and all of that stuff, it just races ahead. Mm. And sometimes our self-concept outstrips what we're earning. So if you've ever been in that situation where you're like, I just feel like I'm, the amount of money I'm making is not matching who I believe I am and what I'm capable of. Right. You can't quite get it that way. So it can go either way. So I think there's that kind of tussling between your present self and your past self and your, I love the thing of like us having so many parts. Yes. You know, all of that, like, and the, like it's family parts therapy is like a lot of what coaches and therapists will talk about, but also the Walt Whitman poem, which I think you used to quote when we were working together as well. Yeah. The, um, I contain multitudes. So we can have all these different parts of us, like arguing, like the cultural stuff we talked about, the family stuff, yes. the, the work we've done on ourselves. It's like, no, I do know this. Our past, maybe this is just me, cynical self that's like, really? Yeah. You're a coach now? Who do you think you are? Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So I think we have that, definitely. And then... So I want to just pause there so that everybody yes. can really hear that, right? Is yeah. Is that idea of... There's not integrity maybe between my self-concept and my earnings. Yeah. There's a disintegration. And then maybe mm. it's a, I'm not making as much money as I believe I should yeah. be making. Or maybe like the money I'm making doesn't correlate to the contribution I'm making, right? Sometimes it's just an energy thing as well. You just feels not right. Mm -hmm. Like you can't really explain it more than that. It's just like, it's just incongruous. The sort of like mm -hmm. the energy that, that whatever it is, the amount that matches for you. Yeah. And just to talk for a moment about how, you know, that feeling of that wobble or that feeling of disintegration, of course, it fucks with our confidence, right? Because yeah. we don't feel right. And so yeah. if I want to be confident and self-trusting and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not even actually sure who I am because mm -hmm. I think I should be making more, but maybe I shouldn't because I'm not yeah. ready for it. Because rah, rah, yeah. rah, Right. Yeah. I guess really what it is, is when we don't kind of have a lot of self-awareness around all of that, that feeling of like, this isn't right. It can shake the confidence yeah. when really what it's an invitation for is to realign, yes. right? That's, yes. That moment is an invitation to say, okay, well, let's realign mm -hmm. the outer, yeah. the, the money part to the inner. Yeah. And that's when I like to get super clear on, well, what's my worry here? Like, is it around responsibility? Like you said, is it around the idea that I can't sustain this? Like, what is my concern? And start to get really clear on defining what those things look like for you. Like, what mm -hmm. does it look like for you to hold that? How, what are you going to do with that? What tools and resources do you have available to you? And I will use a lot of like, I talk a lot about have your grounded self in my work. So I, which mm. is like your, your most adult parts of you that are like, you know, the mm -hmm. bit that knows that like inner mm -hmm. wisdom and be like, what does that part of me know to tell me right now? Mm -hmm. What tools does it know? What has it learned? What has she learned about this journey? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I go through this too, like, obviously, incredibly meta being a money coach yeah. constantly but it's so useful to be able to have that conversation with the part of you that actually self-concept wise does get it mm -hmm. does know that you can mm -hmm. even if it's quite a like top-down discussion to begin with yeah 
I love that. In my work, I call it the inner council. We have the inner yeah. council. And, you know, yes, there's this. There, I love the idea of the grounded self. That's beautiful. Yeah. I may I may need to adopt that. Um, <laughs> I often will think it's like the it's like the guiding self or the wisest self. But, yeah, it's that it's that one. Actually, what I find is she's the one who can hear everyone. Like yes. she lets everyone speak. So she lets the scared one and the judgy mm-hmm. one and the really the, the like the desiring one. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. lets them all speak and she lets them come together. And in my terminology, that's like uniting the inner council is like, OK, can we all come together mm-hmm. to a consensus around what is it that we really want. Yeah. Can we talk about this desire piece for a yes. second? Because I'm just, I'm obsessing over it all the time. And I actually just asked this question in my cauldron group, mm-hmm. my small group. What's something you keep talking yourself out of wanting? Mm. Are you asking me that? Well, yeah. I mean, and also just to say, like, you know, especially where spending money is concerned, what's something you keep wanting and you keep not allowing yourself to want, right? I have mine also, but I'm curious what yours are. Mine is the most ridiculous answer. (laughs) Um, Mine is a particular Nintendo Lego set. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I love it. So the Nintendo Entertainment System, which was, I think, the first proper Nintendo console, and they've done a Lego version of it, and it comes with a TV, like an 80s T or 90s TV, and Mario jumps across the screen. It's that. It's £200. I keep looking and be like, £200 on Lego? Are you kidding me? But I'm so, I'm a really big Nintendo nerd. I'm a nerd, generally. Um, as came up when Natalie was on my podcast, you would have heard some of my <laughs> other sides of my nerdery. Um, yeah, so it's that. It's that. It's not like, and you know, there's a handbag I really like the look of, yes. like as well. But yeah, no, it's it is that first thing I thought of was like, oh, it's that damn Nintendo it's, set that I stood up. Yes, isn't that fascinating? <laughs> yeah. 200 pounds. I actually sort of love that in this whole conversation, you're speaking in pounds. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, you're probably more conscious of what that means in dollars. I'm really not. It's but more. actually, it doesn't even fucking matter, right? Because in the no. end, in the end, it does not, it really no. doesn't matter. You, you now are able to buy food. I now am able to pay my rent. Yeah. It really yeah. doesn't matter how much 200 pounds is. But also, I'm pretty sure that when I say 200 pounds, it feels the same to you as when you say $200. I always yeah. think about that. Like, it's this yeah. weird thing of like, oh, but it's officially a bit more than that. I think you're fine. But right. like, it's, it's exactly the same thing of like, it's yeah. all feelings of yeah. weirdness. <laughs> yeah, 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 no. And it doesn't really matter. No. But how fascinating to talk ourselves out of it. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. Well, do you just want to try out this whole little exercise? Because I, I just invented it. Yes. So we can do the whole thing. Okay. So, yes, please. So the next question is, why do you want that? So this is actually quite a deep therapy um, answer because I feel it's, it's, um, it's honoring a part of myself that I've hidden for a really long time. Mm. I always joke to people and it's not really a joke that there is a frustrated proper toy collector in me like I collect I'm generally like I can't just have one perfume I need a collection of them I can't just have one dress I need a collection like it's a whole thing um and there is a real frustrated toy collector in me that I have very much hidden because I just thought it was childish and not what grown-ups do mm-hmm. and as my kids have got into lots of they're particularly into like Japanese culture stuff. So they're really into Nintendo and Pokemon and anime mm. and all of those sorts of things. 
I've been like, oh, I love this too. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. And so, <laughs> yes. and so, yeah, so it's, it's kind of, it's because I know that it is like, like coachy, like parts of me are like, it's because it's honoring my inner child. Mm. That's a lot of what it is. Oh my gosh. And I- it's just honoring that part of myself. I love that. Side note, I had delivered from the UK a stuffed animal I've been thinking about for a decade. <laughs> We will put it, listen, we're going to put all kinds of resources in the show notes for you all. Okay. Don't even worry. The show notes are just going to be, it's going to have all these things that you need to see. <laughs> I was in a toy store with my children and this was 10 years ago. So they were what, like four and two. Mm. And I saw this, it's called a lanky cat. It's a stuffed animal. It's a cat. Yeah. It has a very big head and very big eyes, but its body is super long and it's like a beanbag thing. So it just kind of like lays on your shoulder. Right. right? <laughs> so I wanted it. Yeah. But my mothering mm. a four-year-old and two-year-old self was like, I don't need that. And also you all don't need any of this stuff. We're leaving right now. Yeah. Thought about that cat for a decade it's like came to mind the other day and I thought, I wonder if I could still find one. And I found one eBay in the UK, someone's husband selling it to be able to buy milk. Exactly. Right. So um, I found it and I, and I had it sent to me. So, um, but no, I love that. Okay. So we're going to continue. Okay. Right. So she wants the Nintendo Lego set. Um, why? Because it's honoring a hidden part of herself. It's honoring your inner child. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so let's try this out. What kind of person wants a Nintendo Lego set? I knew you were going to ask that. And I was like, ugh, an awful man. <laughs> that was my first thought. I was like, oh, God. Like, yeah, someone yeah. who doesn't have responsibilities like children. Uh-huh. I do. Actually, it's funny. We said we didn't judge men the same way. I do. I think it's frivolous. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just for joy. Yeah. There's no greater purpose to it. Exactly. At least a bag is functional. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And also, uh-huh. what will people think? So there's a yep. bit of like, I mean, they're nerdy. Right. There's all mm-hmm. of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What kind of person honors her inner child? I... <laughs> an evolved one <laughs> an increasingly evolved one yeah everybody like like listen to the shift <laughs> in the tone right what yeah. kind of person wants a nintendo lego set oh an, oh, <laughs> an awful person an awful, an awful man with no responsibility yeah. right who won't grow up what kind of person honors her inner child an evolved person a courageous yeah. person and I always think, like, what would I want, like, my kids to do or my mm. friends? Like, I wouldn't be going, oh, my God. I'd just be like, oh, my God, that's amazing that you're buying a Lego set. I love it. And then I'd tell them that story I've just told you. Yeah. But as my kids get older, I wouldn't want them denying those parts of themselves. No. At all. I love that. That's actually the spell for self-kindness right there. What so, would I say to a friend? What would I yeah. say to a friend? Yeah. You know, I say this to myself. Yeah. So, but I love that, actually, that idea, because for me... This is part of money confidence, right? When I'm only thinking about it in terms of the external Mm. and like what the external bit looks like. Yeah. I'm buying a stuffed cat that they're sending across the ocean to me. Yeah. How ridiculous is that? Yeah. But when I look at it from the internal place of like, I'm actually making good on a desire I had a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'm finally fulfilling that desire. Yeah. 
that just feels so different. And I think that, you know, when we talk about money confidence and you gave us that gorgeous thing to remember, right? It's like when the inside, when it's just not feeling right, Mm. when things just aren't feeling right, or in this case, when we have a desire, I want to use my money in this way. Yeah. To kind of allow ourselves to see that it's not just about the houseboat. It's about what the houseboat means. Yeah. I actually just taught on this in my plenty course. No, Mm -hmm. not in plenty, in money mastery, like my mastermind type course. Mm -hmm. We looked at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and how self-actualization, it's the realization of fulfillment of one's talents and potentialities considered as a drive or need present in everyone. So there was this Mm -hmm. feeling of like, it's honoring your needs is one of the definitions I took of it. And Maslow has that at the top. But as many people will know, he stole that, (laughs) a lot of that Mm -hmm. principle from the Blackfoot Nation. And they have at the bottom self-actualization. So they put, and then community actualization is middle. Mm. And then cultural perpetuity, I think, is at the top. And so they have self-actualization. So acknowledging, acting on those desires is what leads to community actualization, which I would say then and it's worth like if you've never heard of this just quickly google it you'll see loads of them but basically the bottom of maslow's hierarchy he has things like physiological needs Mm -hmm. health and safety needs all of Mm -hmm. that stuff but that would be looked after by that community actualization right they put desires at the foundation of the whole triangle Mm. and i found that so interesting because i think we diminish our desires and again this is conditioning as being frivolous things being frivolous or being wrong like money desires, sexual desires, wrong. Or they're just flighty nonsense. Like I could say that about the Lego. Right, yeah. But actually there's so much in acting on your desires that actually support, like we often deny our desires in the name of looking after everybody else. Right. But I love this idea that by fulfilling our our needs, by acknowledging and acting on our desires, we're more likely, like, and this is basically what we've talked about today, Yeah, you're more likely to create a world in which that community, and not just like you're doing the bare minimum for your community, it's community actualization. Yes. Which is huge. Huge. Uh, this feels like a very tip of the iceberg conversation, actually, this idea of conjuring money confidence. And so I want to try to wrap up nicely, like where we've where we've been. Um, so you can help me remember, Ray, and then you'll have to come back and we'll have to talk about this more. <laughs> we'll also we'll put a link to your podcast mm. episode that I was on. So pe- if yeah. if people love listening to us talk. I mean, why wouldn't they? <laughs> we <Yeah>. do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Okay, so number one, money is power. Money is what we make it mean. Money's got emotional aspects and cultural aspects and physical Mm -hmm. aspects also. I heard that. Mm -hmm. And the number two, confidence is really just trust. Yeah. I go with fide, right? I go with trust. I go, I go and with um, like allegiance, with allegiance Mm. to myself too. Yeah. Yeah. And unpacking all of those messages and listening to all of those voices that talk to us about the Lego set, the handbag, the coaching investment, 
Yeah. The savings account or lack mm-hmm. thereof, right? All of those unpacking, all of those voices is almost. I'm, I'm even just picturing it, Ray, as like I I need to kind of like move them off to the side, make spaces for them, so I can find what even is underneath. What do I want to believe? Yeah. About money. That is a huge thing of it. And I do this thing called the manifesto, mm. where people like unpack a bit of like, well, what what does success mean to you? Who will you be when you have money? What can you mm. trust about yourself and all of that sort of stuff? Because mm. it does take us, often our, our gut reaction, like I said, is just to opt out because it is layered and complicated. Mm-hmm. It is. And so it's that feeling of like, well, I'm just not going to. Mm-hmm. I just can't. It's not possible. And we tell ourselves or our brain tells us these very flimsy, very black and white stories. Mm-hmm which we'll listen to. And that's why, yeah, bringing in all the voices like adds color and texture to it Mm -hmm. so that we can actually get to grips with what we want, Mm. which is going to be totally different. Yeah. And no pressure. Again, feminists (laughs) believing women do what they want. But if you are a person who finds yourself talking yourself out of spending money or who finds yourself feeling in that place that mm. that Ray described where like your compensation is not matching who you are or your compensation is beyond who you mm-hmm. believe you might be, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in one of those one of those places like we really invite you into this into this work into thinking more about what you want money to mean and what you want to make wealth, wealthiness mean also. And I think also like allow it to be contradictory. Yes. Like I absolutely want a collection of vintage Chanel bags Mm -hmm. and I want to pay my team wildly more than market value for what they do. Like I want to do both of those things and I don't believe I have to choose. I don't believe I have to choose between, and I think that's often what we're doing, Mm. but believing we have to choose between living with integrity, being kind, our own safety Mm -hmm. and making money or our own um, energy levels and exhaustion, Mm. all of that stuff. And Mm. you don't Mm -hmm. because while we've talked about the fact that money is energy power, all of those things, if we boil it down to the truth, it, it kind of is just an object. Yeah. That's right. But it doesn't mean it doesn't have very real, tangible meaning layered on top of it. Absolutely. So it can be whatever we want it to be. I keep wanting to like gesture towards that phrase about leaving money on the table, Mm. which is, you know, I think we take to mean like, oh, that's when there is money available to you and you aren't willing to or able to or focusing on getting it. And I just think, you know, This idea that money on the table is also power in the world. Mm -hmm. It just is. And yes, money is an object. Money is an object. And money is power in the world. And so when we leave the power in the world, again, it does not just float out and land in the famine-ridden countries. That's not how it works. It's sucked into the vacuum. Yeah. Exactly. Right. It's sucked. It's sucked into the vacuum of the dominating systems. And if we want to disrupt them, yeah. we need that. We need yeah. that power. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Ugh. All right. You're a genius and a delight. It was so <laughs> fun to talk to you, Ray. Tell all of the people where they can find you and more of you um, so that they can fall as madly in love with you as I have. <laughs> so um, I've got a podcast called Money Makers, which I love. And I'm also on Instagram. I'm Ray underscore Dodd on there. It's really important to put the underscore because I believe there is a Republican hunter that's just Ray Dodd. So don't find that person. That's not me. <laughs> they might not be Republican. I might have added that bit, but I feel like there is a lot of hunting that they do. Um, yeah. And then I'm also, I'm on TikTok as well. So if you're in that space, I'm very much enjoying playing on there too. She is honoring her inner child in many ways, Ray yes. Dodd yes. <laughs> It's true. I love it so much. <laughs> thank you. Yes, my pleasure. Oh my gosh, what a treat. Um, all right, my friend. So thank you so much for listening. Go get that money. I don't know. I yeah. do want to tell you that. Go get that money. Yeah. Go get that money. Or at least think about it. <laughs> at, least. at least. At least. At least consider. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mind Witchery. To catch all the magic I'm offering, please subscribe to the show. Or if you want a little bit of weekly witchiness in your inbox, sign up for my Sunday letter at mindwitchery.com. If today's episode made you think of a friend or loved one, your sister, your neighbor, please tell them about it. We need more magic makers in this troubled world. Like all good things, this podcast is co-created by stellar people. Our music is by fabulous DJ, artist, and producer, Shami D. Our gorgeous art is by the sorcerers at New Moon Creative. Mind Witchery is produced in conjunction with Particulate Media, K.O. Myers, executive producer. And I am Natalie Miller. Till next time.